The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Well, greetings, pet lovers. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. We're so happy to have you join us, especially in this new year, where we all look forward to a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. Just to remind you, Dr. Fleck is slowly recovering from hip surgery. We send him our good wishes. And as a result of his absence, I've asked our friend and publicist, Jennifer Crochet, to join us as the co-host for the show today. She is a huge dog lover. She works for other pet clients, other than myself, of course, and she has three Australian shepherds. So, Jen, welcome to your new duties as coasting the pet buzz in Dr. Fleck's absence. I guess the big question I, I want our listening audience to know is what's it like living with three Australian shepherds? Chaotic and very hairy. <laughs> I think so. I'm sure Jen has a very powerful vacuum cleaner. What kind of vacuum cleaner do you have? I actually have a shark. <laughs> okay, you have a shark to chomp away at all that pet hair. You know, Jen, I got to tell you, I I thought about you this morning as well as I thought about myself and so many of my close friends that are pet owners. So I was reading the story off of the BBC website about a wired-haired Vishla, a dog, that went missing for 12 days in Bedfordshire in the UK. It turns out that a team from Nottinghamshire a Nottinghamshire-based charity, it was called Drone to Home, spent fewer than two hours. Now, the dog had been missing for 12 days, and this drone charity spent two hours searching for this missing dog when they spotted him in a nearby town. It turns out his retractable lead got stuck in a hedgerow, and it tied him to the spot. Jen, do you know how many dogs go missing each year in the U.S.? I do not, but I would have to say probably a million or so. Believe it or not, it's 10 million dogs that literally get lost each year. That's crazy. I mean, I can't imagine feeling helpless as a pet owner. I mean, I thank God never experienced that, but it's overwhelming because there are so many dangers out there, as we know, as pet owners, you know, from the weather to other animals, you know, they're domesticated animals and we've got wildlife and humans and vehicles and all these things to worry about and, you know, all these threats. And I couldn't imagine feeling like that. I've been really lucky that Churchill and Wally wandered off, but believe it or not, they came back. But what I really love about this story is the technological aspect. I mean, this dog has been gone 12 days and in two hours they find him. So literally just after they started, they lit up the drone, they found the dog. The owner was so grateful that she fundraised for this charity drone to home to buy a drone for this organization so they could do so much more work. That's amazing. And there are so many amazing technological breakthroughs, both as for humans and for pets to make our life simpler and easier. And ironically, as we're talking about that, CES is going on right now in Las Vegas, and I'm really excited to see what is coming out of there. Yeah. If you guys don't know, CES is the Computer Electronics Show. It is the largest trade show in North America. People come from all over the world. And the show is every year in Las Vegas. And in the upcoming weeks, we're going to be sharing some of the relevant technology 
from the show that can help us take better care of our pets. But Jen, we need to get on with the show. Can you give us the weekly rundown of this week's show? Absolutely. So this week on the Pet Buzz, we're talking about the historic legislation banning dog meat in South Korea that just passed. Texas A&M's Dr. Simon Hayter discussing the perception of pet vaccines, why dogs lick, creating a pet budget, and... And telemedicine is the norm for many humans nowadays, but it's also gaining popularity for pets. COVID-19 changed everything. Pet owners had few options outside a traditional trip to the vet. But since the FDA lifted its requirement on in-person veterinary examinations for fear of spreading the virus during the pandemic, pet telemedicine has boomed. According to markets and markets, the global televet market is worth about five. $130 million and is forecast to grow to $1.2 billion by 2028. Joining us today to talk about veterinary telehealth is veterinarian Dr. Lori Teller. Dr. Teller is also a clinical associate professor of telehealth at Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. She is also the former president of the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association. Dr. Teller, welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Happy New Year. We're so glad glad you're here, especially because you are an expert in this new booming area. Thank you. And happy new year to y'all. And it's always great fun to be on the show with you. So thank you for having me back. Well, you know, I'm so excited. This is Jennifer Crochet. It's our publicist for the show. She's done a bang up job and she's my co-host today since Dr. Fleck is out. Hi, Jennifer. You know, Dr. Teller, why is telemedicine attractive to pet owners? Telemedicine is a, a, an additional way to be able to communicate with a veterinarian or a veterinary team member to help enhance the level of veterinary care that your pet can receive. And so it's, it's another great tool in our toolbox. I would also think it would be attractive for those nervous or those kind of anxious pets who really dislike going to the veterinarian, whether they're dogs or cats, right? It does. So we can do our initial exam in person, get our diagnosis, collect whatever samples we need, create our treatment plan. And then instead of having to have the pet come back every week or two weeks or three weeks, we can do telemedicine follow-ups from the comfort of the pets and the owner's own home. And that can really make a difference, uh, especially for some of our stressed or anxious animals and owners. I'm just curious, do you already need to have a veterinarian client patient relationship before scheduling a televet visit? So it depends on what is going to be done. So if you want to um, have a diagnosis made or have specific treatment recommendations, then you do need to have an established veterinarian client patient relationship. Uh, But for general advice for triage, uh, if you're concerned that something's an emergency, but really not sure, for those kinds of things, you do not need an established VCPR. So Dr. Teller, where's the best place to find a televet if your veterinarian doesn't offer this service? Well, I'd ask your veterinarian one to start offering it um, because it really is beneficial. Um, But if they don't want to offer it, they may have a third party that they do work with. Um, So that would be the next go-to. And then finally, the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, has some tremendous resources on their website. And I would highly recommend visiting that for lots of great information on veterinary telemedicine. Well, if you've just joined us, we're speaking about veterinary telemedicine with veterinarian Dr. Lori Teller. 
How can a pet owner be best prepared for telemedicine visit with their veterinarian? That is a tremendous question um, and something that we work with our own clients at Texas A&M with. Uh, really helpful one, identify the problem that you want to discuss. If you think photos or videos would be um, a help in supporting the information you want to share with your veterinarian, have those ready. Um, a lot of the telemedicine platforms even allow you to upload those directly or have you email them to the veterinarian ahead of time? Because uh, that can be really a great additional information for, for getting a diagnosis. And then also know what food your pet is eating, what medications it is on, including over-the-counter and supplements. And have your pet nearby. Um, it's amazing the number of people who schedule a telemedicine visit and then they have to go find their pet. Um, so make sure your pet is actually nearby and ready to be seen on camera if needed. I would also think that, especially if you have a large or small dog, you would want the room well lit um, so the veterinarian can actually see the dog. And you might even benefit from putting the dog on a table and then double checking the shot before you get started. And I think also to save time, maybe have some questions ready to go. Absolutely. Those are great suggestions. Um, yes, if you if you can get your dog on a table or, or something elevated uh, that your camera can more easily be directed to, that's helpful. Having another person hold the camera so you're not trying to manipulate the camera and restrain your dog or your cat is also of great benefit. Definitely having that list of questions. People are used to coming to an in-person visit and having the list of questions. And for some reason, they get on screen and freeze and can't remember what they want to ask. Generally, how long are these visits? Are they like 30 minutes or 15 minutes? I guess it would depend, right? It does depend. Uh, so the average follow-up, so say um, I diagnosed your, your dog or cat with a skin infection and I just want to follow up in two weeks, those average to around seven to 10 minutes. Uh, but if I'm addressing a behavioral problem or a more complicated um, chronic disease like diabetes, then those can certainly last anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. And if it's the initial behavior consult, those could even go 45 minutes to an hour. So all in all, it's best to be prepared. Definitely. All right. Well, we need to take a commercial break and return with Dr. Lori Teller discussing telemedicine for pets and their owners. Also up next is Celebrity Pet Buzz and Pet Money Matters. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies. Visit us at thepetbuzz.com. A Rottweiler named Whiskey with hours to live brought back to full health. A terrier named Snoopy, paralyzed in all four legs, who ran and played again within months. These dogs are known as Marty's Miracles. Dogs brought back to health by Dr. Marty Goldstein. I've helped countless dogs thrive with one simple concept. Your dog needs a high meat diet similar to what their ancestors ate in the wild. Called the Miracle Worker by Forbes magazine, he's now created a premium dog food for you called Nature. 
Nature's Blend. It's the easiest way to support your dog's easy digestion, nourished skin, playful energy, and most importantly, their healthy, full life. For a limited time, save up to 54% off Nature's Blend and get free premium dog treats. Go to drmartypets.com slash love or text love to 511-511. Text love to 511-511. I'm so confident your dog will love it. Your order is backed with a 90-day guarantee. All pets are unique. Your pet's results can and will vary. Message and data rates may apply. You'd never knowingly feed your pup mystery meat or spoiled grocery store food. So why are those some of the most common protein sources in kibble today? Yep, the dog food ingredient, meat meal, can be made of spoiled supermarket meat and packing plant scraps. I'm veterinarian Dr. Marty Goldstein. Your dog needs a biologically appropriate diet similar to what they would eat in the wild. That's why I developed Nature's Blend, a freeze-dried raw food made with premium cuts of meat, omega-3 rich seeds, and superfood veggies and fruit. Bailey is 12 years old. He has been on your food for nine bags now. Nature's Blend is pantry safe and has zero artificial preservatives, additives, filler, or meat meal. He's got more energy, able to run around and play when our grandson comes. For a limited time, save 54% off Nature's Blend and receive a free pack of premium dog treats. Go to drmartypets.com slash love or text love to 511-511. I can't thank you enough. He's 12 and I'm enjoying every day with him. Message and data rates may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text stop to opt out. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Flackman. While we're back with Dr. Lori Teller discussing veterinary medicine, Jen, you have a question. I do. Uh, Dr. Teller, what should pet owners expect from a televisit? So pet owners should expect to have a better understanding of what is going on with their patient. If this is a follow-up visit, um, say a surgical incision recheck or following up on a skin infection, um, then what will next steps be? Uh, Certainly if the patient is not improving, those next steps may be different than if the patient is recovering and doing well. Um, If this is more of a triage kind of, um, question, like my dog got into the garbage and now won't stop throwing up and won't eat dinner, um, that may be considered an emergency. And the veterinarian is going to recommend an emergency visit. First, my dog got into the garbage, seems to feel great, ate dinner, is still running around like a maniac. Um, Then that triage visit may result in let's monitor your pet and then check in with your regular veterinarian uh, on its next business day. So a lot's going to depend on what the visit was about. Uh, but in general, you should have an idea of your pet's current condition and what the next steps are going to be, uh, whether that's everything's good, we can stop, uh, another in-person visit is needed, or maybe we need another follow-up visit via telemedicine. Are there some pet medical conditions that are better suited to televet services than others? There are. Um, every animal should have that in-person physical exam, um, even if it's a behavior problem or something like that. Uh, because there are physical things that can cause those. But once physical issues have been ruled out, uh, behavior really uh, is great to be done via telemedicine, nutritional counseling, weight management, those kinds of things can be done via telemedicine, um, perhaps with an occasional check-in to to accurately monitor weight and, and body size. So those do really well. And then chronic disease management, Uh, where you can alternate in-person visits and telemedicine visits, whether that's diabetes, arthritis, Cushing's disease, all of those kinds of things. Um, Telemedicine can definitely be used to enhance those in-person visits. 
Can you tell us what televet services are not included or does not include? So it's really hard to do a physical exam on a pet via telemedicine. There are some things, if the pet is easy to handle, that a veterinarian may be able to direct the pet owner to do, such as getting the animal's pulse and the respiration rate and showing gum color, those kinds of things. Um, In certain areas, maybe helping to narrow down where pain is coming from, Um, but animals do get referred pain just like people. So that's not always as easy as it sounds. Uh, Sometimes on a lighter colored animal, you may be able to find fleas uh, if the pet is itching, but on darker furred or heavily coated animals, that can be a challenge as well. So sometimes that depends on what the complaint is, um, what kind of animal we're talking about. And then we do want to be really cautious for pets that may be more challenging to restrain um, because not only can the pet get hurt, but we risk an owner or the person doing the restraint getting hurt. And we don't want that to happen either. Yeah. I I think that's absolutely positive. You might want to have somebody or a family member at your televet um, service uh, phone call or Zoom call. I think one of the most important things that really is on most Americans' minds is uh, money. Money matters. So lastly, do you believe Televet services are cost-effective? I think it depends on what you're using it for. So triage uh, definitely can be cost-effective. If you're two hours from a veterinarian and you're not sure if your pet's condition warrants a trip to the emergency clinic or not, um, then a, a triage can definitely help. You know that if you've been told to go to the ER, that that's absolutely warranted and you may even get some advice on what to expect. And if you're told this is something that does need to be addressed, but it can wait till tomorrow or a couple of days when your regular veterinarian is available, and then you're just paying a regular exam and not the emergency fee, that can also be cost effective. I think the bigger issue is when you're calling with what is not an emergency, but maybe something acute like an ear infection or or a wound, those do need to be seen in person. And having a telemedicine visit ahead of time where you're paying that office, that telemedicine fee, and then having to go to your vet when you already knew you were going to have to go to your vet um, and paying an additional fee, that I don't think is cost effective. Well, Dr. Teller, thank you so much for visiting us today. Can you provide us with a website where we can learn more about telemedicine? Sure. Please go to avma.org and then go to the Telehealth Resource Center on the website. That's great. And that's where you'll be able to find services that do offer telemedicine if your local veterinarian doesn't offer it. Well, just to remind you, that was Dr. Lori Teller, a clinical associate professor of telehealth, that's the buzz these days, at Texas A&M's College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences, providing us with an overview of veterinary medicine. I think this is something that we really need to become more familiar with, maybe experiment with, because I think this is going to be the next wave of the future. And maybe like me, who's a little hesitant, I think I'm going to have to dip my toe in the water slowly. What today's show host added a four-legger member to his family. And now the latest news about celebrities and their pets. It's obsession. Aren't they cute? What's the name? What's the name?
Today's co-host Craig Melvin added a new puppy to his family at the end of December. The Melvin family picked up an Irish Doodle puppy from a breeder in Virginia. The Irish Doodle is a crossbreed between an Irish Setter and a Poodle. The Irish Doodle is supposed to be an outgoing, friendly, playful dog that is full of curiosity. Additionally, their intelligence makes them easy to work with when it comes to obedience and agility training. Most importantly, they are great with children. The Melvin's new puppy is named Miles Cooper. During a broadcast last week, Chanel Jones asked about the puppy craig said that miles is a great unifier another great role for a dog in a family looking to save money this year a pet budget could help pet money matters with pet trendologist charlotte reed Budgets can be made on behalf of your dog and cat to manage your expenses. Start fresh as pet prices most likely have changed in this new year. Figure out how much you spend on pet food and treats, toys, pet medical costs, grooming, and other pet supply expenses each month, as well as on a yearly basis. And don't forget to think about special events and holidays like buying pet presents for birthdays. Think about Halloween costumes and Valentine's Day and Christmas gifts. Also, I recommend saving an additional $25 to $50 for veterinary and unexpected expenses. Based on your pet spending, determining how it impacts your overall finances. Ask yourself if you need to cut down on a few pet expenses. In order to do this, you might need to do a little work. For example, you might need to figure out how long a bag of pet food or treats lasts by serving the recommended serving size. You might want to develop a strategy for using coupons or other saving methods. By putting together a pet budget and or saving strategy, you will get control of your finances, focus on your financial goals, keep on top of your pet spending, make it easier to stay aware of your saving and debts, and save for unexpected pet expenses. It's all good because pet money matters. I just helped you keep more pet money in your pocket. Time for a commercial break. Our next segment kicks off with the I Likey of the Week. And follows up with the Pet Buzz mailbag and our next guest, Dr. Simon Hader, discussing vaccine avoidance. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud sponsor of the Pet Buzz. What if you could help turn back the clock and help your dog play like a puppy again, no matter their age? Introducing Dr. Marty Pet's Nature's Blend, a premium freeze-dried raw dog food called the Miracle Worker by Forbes magazine. Dr. Marty is now helping dog parents right at home. I've helped countless dogs thrive with one simple concept. Your dog needs a high meat diet similar to what their ancestors ate in the wild. Nature's Blend is designed to support your dog's healthy lifespan with turkey, beef, salmon, duck, seeds, veggies, and fruit, and with zero artificial preservatives. When given the choice between Nature's Blend and Amazon's number one bestseller in dry dog food, 29 out of 30 dogs chose Nature's Blend first. For a limited time, save up to 54% off Nature's Blend and get free premium dog treats. Go to drmartypets.com slash love or text love to 511-511. Text love to 511-511. I am so confident your dog will love it. Your order is backed with a 90-day guarantee. Study available upon request. Message and data rates may apply. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Let's kick off this segment with the I Likey of the Week. Let me tell you why I love lick mats for cats. It's genius. die for. I like it. For Christmas, I bought a slow-mo licky mat off Amazon and my cat just loves it. I love the fact that lick mats have different levels and different depths of the various compartments. Perfect for cats and kittens, lick mats allow pet owners to serve wet liquid and dry food together without making a mess. Moreover, slow feeder lick mats help reduce cats feeding from seconds to many minutes, improving digestion and reducing bloat, all making a small meal be healthier and longer lasting. Additionally, lick mats textured service promote pleasurable licking action, which generates saliva, helping protect your pet's teeth and gums, as well as cleaning your pet's tongue, promoting healthier teeth, gums, and fresher breath. Lastly, the slow-mo licky mat is environmentally friendly and is safe as it is not made with silicon. It's very strong and 100% dishwasher safe. This calming eating device is not for chewers. Check the mat periodically for damage. For more information, check out the Slow Mo, that's S L O M O, Licky, L I C K I M A T, on Amazon. The price is $16.95. Mail call. You've got mail. Peter wrote from Atlanta. I just got a golden doodle dog. He's six months old and he's spending a lot of time licking me. Is that normal? Well, thanks for writing, Peter. Like cat owners, dog owners have too been wondering why their dogs seem particularly fond of licking humans. In fact, licking is a fairly common trait that most, but not all dogs will do. And the reason for why does vary from being a means of communication to it being a surefire way to get an owner's attention. Another simple explanation could be that a dog licking you is often received positively by us humans. After all, who can say they don't squill with delight when a cute dog fusses over them, which means dogs may associate licking with a positive reaction. If you want to train your dog to stop licking you, give him something else to do that he can associate with positive interaction. For example, ask him to stop, then get him or her to sit, stay, and tell him when she or he does, give him a treat and tell him good boy or good girl. I hope my advice helps. Let us know by writing to us a team at the Pet Buzz and please send a picture of your dog and we'll put it up on our social media channels. Research on attitudes toward pet vaccination and how they may be linked with human vaccination hesitancy was the subject of a new study recently published in the journal Vaccine. Joining us today to talk about this subject is Dr. Simon Hedder, an associate professor of health policy and management in the Texas A&M University School of Public Health. Dr. Hader, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about such an important subject. Thanks for having me. Co-hosting today is a dear friend of the show and pet owner, uh, Jennifer Crochet. Jen, you have the first question to ask. Awesome. Well, hi, Dr. Hader. Dr. Hader, before we get started, what prompted you to conduct this study and can you discuss the protocol? 
Sure. I think it was a couple of things. I'm a pet owner myself and uh, I've been doing work on human vaccine hesitancy and human vaccine related issues for a little bit. And the recent vet visit, you know, I was waiting for my dog to come out. And so I started thinking about, you know, all the work I've done on, on humans, does that carry over onto, onto pets? And so I'd done some previous work related to uh, pets, you know, t that's somewhat related to my work. And so it just, you know, seemed like an interesting topic to study. I looked at the literature, there was nothing there. And so it seemed an important thing to pick up. So talk about the protocols of the study. How was it conducted? Yeah, it's very, very standard. Um, I, I looked at what you know has been previously done on human vaccine hesitancy and tried to convert it into, you know, the dog life and the cat lives. Uh, uh, so it's very similar in that regard. There's really no guidance because, as I mentioned, hasn't been there hasn't been much work on this previously. Uh, developed a survey, uh, contracted with a survey company to run the survey for me, uh, and then you know got back the data, started analyzing, and then got it out really quickly. So there's really no contact with humans other than the survey, correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. So I guess my question is, um, what canine and feline vaccinations were mentioned in the study and how did respondents perceive the safety, efficacy, importance of the various vaccines? Because I think that's always important because so many people go to the vet, but they really don't know what the vaccines do. They just say, give me the kitten caboodle. Yeah, that's, I think that's very true. Uh, the obvious ones that were included for both cats uh, and dogs are, is rabies. You know, that's a big one. That's that's where people are really, really concerned about. But there were some other core vaccines on the dog side. We had Parvo and Distemper. Uh, on the cat side, we had uh, also Parvo and then uh, the herpes virus. We had cl uh, feline chlamydia as well as feline bordetella. And on the dogs, we also had canine influenza and Lyme disease. Kind of try to find a good mix. Obviously, as I mentioned, rabies being the big one and then some core and non-core vaccines to, to see if there's uh, differences in how people think about these issues. With this mysterious respiratory infection, no canine bordetella? You know, I, was, I had to make some choices. I wanted to you know, five and five okay. balance. It kind of the survey was kind of conducted prior, you know, prior before all those all those news hit. In hindsight, Bordetella would have been a good one, but you know, it, it wasn't part of the study. Uh, the findings were pretty good. Uh, and, and when you ask them, you know, do you think these these vaccines are are safe and effective and important? You know, uh, overwhelming support. Uh, I would say, you know, often higher than than some human viruses, high eighties. Uh, percent on average, you know, across the population, but that also tells you that there's a uh, important subgroup, and I think that carries on through the study. An important subgroup of people, 10, 15 percent, were skeptical, you know, of, of vaccines. They question the effectiveness, they question the safety, and they question the importance. And as we know, with vaccines, you know, when you get below a critical mass of of animals or, or humans vaccinated, things can spiral out of control pretty quickly. Sure. Well, if you've just joined us, we're speaking with Texas A&M's Dr. Simon Hader about a study regarding pet vaccines. Jen, you had a question. Yeah. So overall, what did the survey results reveal and did you find any difference between dog and cat owners? Yeah, I think the the story uh, of the of the survey is that um, overall uh, most dog and most cat owners uh, are, are in favor of vaccinations. They're in in favor of vaccination requirements as well. Most have their their dogs and their cats vaccinated. As I alluded to earlier, there's an important subgroup that doesn't, and it's a chunk of people, and that can be quite dangerous, as we know, especially when it comes to rabies and other important diseases. Um, one of the reasons I did the study was because you know I, I've done it in the human world, and I was interested if there's any spillovers, and there indeed seem to be some spillovers. You know, you've probably read in the news people getting very very concerned about COVID. We had some stuff with MMR before when it comes to humans, and the big concern is that uh, not only is that 
that going to spill over across different human vaccines, but it is going to spill over into the animal world as well. And, and my study contributes to the findings here that there's some of that spillover happening. It's not quite as bad as some human vaccines think COVID, obviously, uh, but it's definitely starting to happen. And it's definitely a reason for uh, concern um, uh, down the line here if this doesn't get checked. Now, I'm just curious, Janet asked you also uh, the differences between dog and cat owners. Were cat owners, for example, vaccinated less or did you find as dogs and cats got older, did people vaccinate less? Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a general pattern where dog owners seem to be more invested in vaccinations than the cat owners. So there's a consistent pattern where the, the rates are higher for dog owners than they are for cat owners, uh, which I found interesting. Uh, there's also an important uh, uh, outlier group here when it comes to cat owners that's not present when it comes to dog owners that seem to be very, very vaccine hesitant. I'm, we're not talking, you know, uh, 50%, we're talking 30% vaccination rates, even for, for rabies, for these kind of people. And it's, again, not a small subgroup. Didn't didn't see that for dogs. So there seems to be, you know, this interesting group of, of, of cat owners who are very opposed to vaccines. Uh, um, and, and, you know, that's obviously problematic if your, your cat's not vaccinated against rabies. So we need to take a commercial break and return with our guest, Dr. Simon Hader, and discussing his recent research regarding attitudes towards pet vaccination. Also in our next segment, we are reporting on how South Korea is making big strides in banning dog meat. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. So we're back with Dr. Simon Hayter, an associate professor of health policy and management in Texas A&M University School of Public Health about the perception of pet vaccines. So um, my next question is, um, Doc Simon, can you discuss how decreasing pet vaccination rates pose challenges to society? I think that's a great follow up to your last statement. Yeah, I think it's exactly true. I think the obvious one is like fewer vaccinations, more more, more disease and more death in, in cats and dogs. I think that's the most obvious one, right? We rely on, on vaccinate, high vaccination rates in order to create herd immunity. We know that vaccinations aren't perfect. Your dog, you know, you can do everything you want, get them vaccinated. There's still a chance they might catch the disease. So that's the obvious one. That carries over into humans. You know, um, we have a dog. Uh, it's a very, very important companion animal, a very important piece in our family. We're willing to spend the money. You know, if, if your dog gets sick, you're willing to spend the money with, with decreasing vaccination rates. Obviously, uh, costs and death are going to be a problem for, for families. I think there's also a general concern that uh, these, these diseases can continue to mutate uh, and you know turn into, into more deadly or more challenging forms down the line if we don't get a hold of this. And then I think last, uh, lastly, it's an important public health issue that carries beyond you know cats and dogs, uh, where, where um, vaccine hesitancy and distrust in science and medicine is just growing and that just poses some very, very big challenges in general. I would think that you would probably see that more with human medicine since politically 
pets don't really pose political issues for the most part, but you know what I'm saying? You would see that hesitancy more with folks associated, especially since the election season is coming around with thoughts about vaccinations and, and COVID-19. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. You know, when once you run studies on, on human vaccine hesitancy, politics plays an important part. It's an important predictor of whether people vaccinate or whether they support mandates. Didn't really quite see that in, in cats and uh, didn't quite see that in dogs as well. So it's it's not quite as political uh, as, as the human side of things, but obviously that can change. Uh, there's a lot of debate whether, you know, uh, vaccination mandates should be limited or extended in some of the states. And obviously then it becomes political and then, you know, the whole thing might change. Uh, Dr. Hader, you recently did a similar study regarding humans and vaccines. Did you see any similarities or differences about the perception of human vaccines versus the pet vaccines? Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities. As I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the big differences that is is that uh, pet vaccines don't seem to be quite as politicized yet, and I think that's an important finding. Um, with with human vaccines, we see a lot of differences depending on what vaccine you ask people about. Polio, very high support, not not concerned about safety and all those kind of things. But then once you get into, you know, COVID in particular, you know, the whole thing changes or some some uh, HPV vaccines, you know, because there's a sexual component to it. So people get very comfortable. So there's a, a vast difference depending on vac what vaccine you ask about. Cats and dogs, very similar. Obviously, the, the rabies was stand, standing out as, as most supported. Uh, I think that's obvious because people are most know most about or most concerned about rabies. And then you get slight drop off when you get from core to non-core vaccines. But uh, I think the, the spread is much bigger when it comes to humans and the politicization is also much bigger when it comes to humans. Lastly, what can our pet owner listening audience take away from this discussion? Yeah, I think uh, uh, vaccine hesitancy when it comes to pet and dogs, uh, pets, you know, dogs and cats is, is a growing issue that we haven't paid attention to, uh, I think, in the news and academically as well. Uh, there's lots to learn here. There's lots of concerns on my end. And, and I think academics that, that work on these kind of issues, I think it's important that you think about what other animals your animals hang out with um, and, and what animals you hang out with if you don't know the owners and you don't know whether the pet is vaccinated. I can also uh, add to that the wildlife in your backyard. No, that's very true. We have lots of wild off. We live next to a creek, so we have, to, we have a big issue related to that. But I think more generally, it's like we need to do more to educate uh, people, you know, this, these kind of shows, uh, veterinarians, veterinary associations. We need to do more to educate people about the safety and importance of vaccines. And we need to counter a lot of the misinformation that's out here. Vaccines from a public health perspective, one of the biggest achievements uh, uh, when it comes to public health. Uh, and we're, we're kind of losing a lot of ground here. And I think we, we all need to work to counter that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Hader. Can you uh, give us a website so that we can learn more about the study? Sure. I think the easiest way to find more is to go to the today.tamu.edu and then just search for PAT vaccinations. That will take you to a write-up that the university wrote about the study and also take you to the, the study itself in vaccine. Well, once again, thank you so much for appearing on the Pet Buzz. And everyone, just to remind you, that was Dr. Simon Hader discussing the pet owner perception of vaccines and why vaccines are so important for not only our pets, but for us. Finally, good progress in the banning of the meat trade in Asia. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe.
Well, last week, South Korea's parliament passed a landmark ban on the production and sale of dog meat as the public calls for a prohibition that has grown sharply over concerns about animal rights and the country's international image. The bill would make breeding and the slaughtering of dogs and the sale of their meat for human consumption illegal from 2027 and punishable by two or three years in prison. It doesn't provide any penalties for eating dog meat. Dog meat consumption, a centuries-old practice on the Korean peninsula, is neither explicitly banned nor legalized in South Korea. Recent surveys have shown that more than half of South Koreans want dog meat banned and a majority of Koreans no longer eat it. But one in every three South Koreans still oppose a ban, even though they don't consume it. Farmers were extremely upset by the bill's passage. Some angry dog farmers said they plan to challenge the bill's constitutionality and hold protest rallies, a sign of continued debate over a ban. But the bill offers assistance to these dog farmers and others in the industry in shutting down their businesses and shifting to alternatives. Details are to be worked out among government officials, farmers, experts, and animal rights activists. The bill will become law after being endorsed by the cabinet council and signed by president Yu suck yol considered formality since his government supports the ban this is a major step in the right direction it might take a little while but koreans will eventually experience the power of living with and loving dogs how did one dog bring awareness to the conditions of outdoor dogs News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something For three years, Rula didn't have a place to warm herself in the cold or cool down in the extreme heat. Used as a guard dog and mostly tethered to a 10-foot-long pulley, the energetic four-year-old German Shepherd Husky Miss spent most of her life pacing from end to end in a double-fenced maintenance yard, excitedly wagging her tail on the rare occasion she saw a human. But last summer changed everything. Last summer, pet lovers became aware of Rula's plight when her story was posted on the neighborhood app next door. The post blew up over eight weeks on animal rescue sites, prompting residents to rally and call authorities. But California's Contra Costa County animal control officers unfortunately said the owner did not violate any laws, though they did suggest he add a shade structure, a request with which he complied, they said. Well, several residents later tried to encourage the owner to surrender the dog, but it wasn't until weeks later that he finally relented, according to one resident, Celeste Smith of Discovery Bay. She convinced him to let the dog go. She had met Rula earlier in the summer and written a letter to the dog's owner and gave him dog treats, toys, and a bed for the pup. It wasn't until this past December, December of 2023, that Rula found a home with a loving family including a dog to play with, a dog about her same size and about a same age. But her story has inspired Contra Costa County Animal Services to work on possible rule changes about keeping animals outdoors during extreme weather conditions, requiring shade and access to cool water, as well as clarifying rules on tethering and more. Rula, we wish you the best in 2024, but we hope that Contra Costa County's animal services can protect more dogs who suffered like you in this upcoming year with new regulations. You have inspired our community to get together and rally for dogs and dog abuse. Now that's something good. Hey, Jen, did you hear the bells? Yes. 
Well, that signifies it's a wrap. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're talking about how you can change a pet's life and how a Native American dog breed contributed to the economy of the Upper Northwest. Jen, can you be so kind as to thank our guests? Absolutely. Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Lori Teller and Dr. Simon Hader. And we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And, of course, Dr. Marty's Nature's Blend, biologically balanced nutrition, improving pet health every day of the week. If you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com, and we will cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed it of any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the link podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. You've never knowingly feed your dog sawdust, but it's one of the most common fillers found in dog food today. Even the ones labeled healthy can contain powdered cellulose, otherwise known as wood pulp. I'm veterinarian Dr. Marty Goldstein. Your dog needs a biologically appropriate diet. That's why I developed Nature's Blend. She developed an aggressive cancer. She was put on pain meds just to help cope. She was limping through life and got very, very dopey from the pain medication. Nature's Blend is made in North America and is pantry safe. Not only did it pique her interest in wanting to eat again, but it started to give her some energy. After she eats, she gets very playful, has a lot of puppy moments, and she'll be 14 this summer. For a limited time, save 54% off Nature's Blend and receive a free pack of premium dog treats. Go to drmartypets.com slash love or text love to 511-511. I guarantee it with a 100% 90-day return of your purchase price. Message and data rates may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text off to opt out.